up Blue Thunder, Jay Freddy, Tokyo, USA, Pro Wrestling Worldwide, Pro Wrestling Law, and you are listening to the Working Fans Podcast. Yeah! Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, hi there. This is the Working Fans Podcast. We are Southeastern Connecticut's premier up-and-coming wrestling talk podcast. We are trying to evolve and bring you the best product every week so that you can listen to it, be involved in it, and be a part of what we're doing. We're going to be changing up some of our formats coming up, trying new things, seeing how they work, and we want your feedback. So please reach out to us on all of our major platforms. Let us know what we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, and give us that feedback. Welcome back to the Working Fans Podcast. This is a special edition. Our producer has gone on vacation. So basically, this is me and Dave flying by the seat of our pants and talking about whatever we want to talk about this week. Joe, thank you for cleaning up whatever we talk about. Yeah, man. It should be a real shit show. All right. Let's see. I saw some of Crown Jewel yesterday. This is a uh, Friday, the day after, by the way. So by the time this hits, if we're way off on shit, we're sorry. I did a similar thing. I didn't watch it, but I read a lot about it. <laughs> well, obviously, I was happy they put The Fiend over. I thought that was one good thing they did. Usually, these events, nothing happens. So, for them to actually do a title change, and they had the first women's match in uh, Saudi Arabia, I thought, okay, this is actually somewhat eventful. We could talk about The Fiend, but I want to talk about something else first. We're going to talk about um, something that happened to it, and I saw a video of both of these instances. Okay. During the women's entrances, the Saudi fans actually threw water bottles at them in protest in their way of saying that women shouldn't be wrestling on the show. Two different instances. Natalia actually got hit by the water bottle and no-sold it, whereas some limp dick motherfucker couldn't quite reach Lacey Evans with his water bottle. Interesting. You know, it's funny. They were actually chanting, this is awesome, at the end of that. So, obviously, there's a real divide, I would imagine. Well, I think that it was a lot like Rocky Four. Where we turned the Russians and the Russians came over to love Rocky. I think that these two young ladies did the same thing. Even the lip dick motherfucker who couldn't get the water bottle all the way. You think he was saying this Well, is I awesome. think what helped him was our friends at Blue Chew were able to get through to him. Mm. And that made him understand exactly how talented these young ladies were. Well, hopefully. Then will help your arm like a super hard dick. There were, there were a couple of things I wanted to get hold of. But you said there was one other thing, right? Am I... 
Yeah, the other thing that I wanted to get over is we did talk about the Fiend and we're looking at the yeah. Rollins match. Are they too late with what they did with the Fiend? Is this not so. what they should have done at Hell in the Cell? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, it's uh, what they should have done. No, I don't think it's too late. I don't think it's too late for The Fiend. I don't know what's going to go with Rollins. I feel like they really have fucked up this babyface run of Seth Rollins. Oh, I agree. But he started heel tendencies with his match against Umberto, not last week, but the week before. Yeah, yeah. No, and his behavior on social media and just a lot of stuff that he's done. Yeah, really could. You could make a good heel run out of Seth. Well, he's actually started to come across. I listened to him on Corey Graves this week. Mm -hmm. And he started to come across to me a little bit bitter. Like, hey, how are the fans are turning on me? I was their media darling. He really was in the beginning of this year. Like, they were over him, you know? Like, they want him to beat Brock. But to me, he almost came across as how dare they all of a sudden just turn what they're doing. Be a great heel turn. I don't think Seth Rollins realizes we're not turning our back on him. That fans actually understand that it's not what he's doing, mm -hmm. that it's the booking that the fans are not happy with. True, but he has made some en enemies on Twitter, though, with some of his comments about certain talents. Well, that he has done. To call anybody else in wrestling, especially somebody at the level of a Kenny Omega, or to take shots at other independent wrestlers who he feels have not lived up to where he's at, and to call them minor league wrestlers, right. or to talk down to him is, to me, and, childish. And, like, I believe Jim Ross had brought it on his podcast, too. He doesn't... It, and it wasn't it was stating a fact that nobody in the WWE for the most part really draws money anymore. Yeah. It's the machine that draws the money. Oh, absolutely. Not only that, but he actually makes mention, if you listen to him during, once again, that podcast, he says, oh, and what I like to do is go out there each week and give Jim Ross stuff to talk about. <laughs> so he actually takes a shot at a little bit of a... It's not a bad shot, but right, it's a right, little right. bit of a shot at JR. Yeah, I think, I think Seth just has his chip on his shoulder. He likes to combat. Uh, you know what? And there's nothing wrong with that completely, too. I'm not against that. Speaking of combat, two things I wanted to bring up also about this Crown Jewel event. One, Tyson Fury. He ended up winning by a count out. Watched him. There was certain things, I know you didn't see this, that he showed athleticism at certain times in the match. Absolutely. But then there was times like he'd go for a, just a basic cover. And you could see how not smooth it was. How he just struggled, even going to a pin position. And it's funny because I started to listen to the beginning of something to wrestle with this week, and they were talking about Mula. And Mula was born in 1923. Now, if I do my math correctly, around 96 to 98, and I believe it was 98, she was taking power bombs from Bubba Ray Dudley off the step. And it got me thinking, like, how good some of these pros are, whether it's Mula or whatever. It, like, we take for granted even basic things like just going into a pinning conversation are not that easy necessarily. Okay, so I'm going to come at this from a little bit different of an angle because, you know, having taken bumps. But when you learn how to take basic bumps and you learn how to do re and you learn how to work in the ring, there's always a danger, obviously. Don't get me wrong. But learning how to technically take bumps and to do things the right way can save your career. Yeah. And it can make it so that you can do what Jerry Lawler does. You can do what Mae Young and Moolah did. Even guys like Ric Flair. If there's a reason why they start to take similar bumps throughout their career and they stop taking bumps they're not comfortable with. And that prolongs your career. One of the problems that we have today is that a lot of the younger wrestlers are not necessarily focusing anymore on those fundamentals and learning how to do the correct bumps the old-fashioned way. And they're skipping it. They're learning how to run before they know how to walk. 
Yeah, well, in the case of Tyson Fury, obviously they rushed him into this too. Was he, what was he working? Three months, right? Yeah. Of at, training at, at, at most. Even yeah. Cain Velasquez in the Cain and Brock match, you can see the difference between somebody who's been working on it for a year and working on it for. Man, I felt like they really buried Cain though. Like I know he's probably hurt with his knee and stuff like that, and maybe. It's not working out like you thought, but you signed this guy to a multi-year contract, and you can't come up with a better finish than jobbing him out in about two and a half minutes. He taps clean, and then on top of it, Brock beats him up with a chair, only to get saved by Rey Mysterio with a chair. I could be wrong, but this does not sound like how to get a guy over I know I'm going to get some heat for this, but you know my feelings on Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Absolute great worker for the little guys. Mm-hmm. But quite frankly, him beating Brock with a chair, yeah. he could have dro- dro- ran him over with a tank and I wouldn't have bought it. Well, yeah, I'll say this. I, again, I watched it. He actually came at Brock with a chair at first. Brock threw him out of the way. Yeah. And then as he continued to beat on Kane, Ray came back and hit him with a chair. And Brock was still coming towards him. And they made it look really good. And then Ray actually hit him in the head with the chair, which Brock threw his hands up. And I thought, oh, okay, we're trying to go a step further. To... Yeah. So they did their best to make it believable. Yeah, and, and I'm not totally shitting on it. Mm-hmm. It's just no matter how good you do... How believable can you make it? Yeah, and also it's very interesting too, like when you really think about it too, it's like Tyson Fury's basically there for one payday and he won by count out. And Kane Velasquez, who signed a multi-year deal, just got chopped out. Well, but now here's why I think they did this. The reason why I think they did this is because in the match that they originally had in the UFC, what happened in that first match? Kane beat his ass. How quickly? Well, probably a little more than two and a half minutes, but he beat his ass. Great. All so right. now you have this match with him mm-hmm. in around the same time period where Brock gets the upper hand. And even though it's the WWE, now the storyline is both of them have taken care of each other. What it, What made Goldberg versus Brock believable? The Brock. Uh, the the Goldberg, Goldberg took out Brock out. Quickly. Right. So I think that they're doing this to give Cain Velasquez time to work on his craft and to come back with a third match, which is going to go long. I see the logic. I see why they would do that. The danger of that is that Kane is nowhere near as over in the WWE ring as Brock. Not saying he can't get there, they can't rebuild this. But the problem is he's such a legitimate badass that even though most of your fans might not know that, there's enough fans that when he comes back, if you give him any kind of like monster attack, right. he's going to have a chance to have that opportunity. So I actually agree with the WWE on this one. Mm. Uh, I can't say I completely agree with it, but I do get the logic of... I get some of the logic. Let's just say that. I I, I think there are other ways. We could have done an injury angle where he beat him up and attacked his knee. But, but in fairness, you are also a big UFC fan. and you, sure. And you love the legitimacy of the UFC. And I think that it's hard to swallow knowing what a legitimate badass Cain Velasquez is. I, I, actually, honestly, I just think it's just the way they booked him. I just don't agree with it. I, I'm not, and I am a, a UFC fan. Cain's okay, but he wasn't like one of my guys. No, so, he wasn't one of my guys either. Right. And so, and, but, in reality, Brock's actually one of my guys. I was going to say, in fairness, Brock was one of my right. guys. So, because you know, he, I'm coming from an honest standpoint, <laughs> yeah. at least. Okay. <laughs> All right. Both of us went for Brock because both of us go for the. Yeah, well, even with CM Punk. We, we rooted for him. We rooted he didn't for him. do it. We knew he wasn't going to win. We did. But we went for him. Yeah, I rooted for Bobby Lashley. I rooted for Jay Hager. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. Because. So, okay. All right, so, let's go that route now. Go ahead. Well, let, no, let's talk about Jay, Jake Hager for a second here. Yeah. He, uh, he used the low blow, by the way. I don't know if you caught that. I love that. <laughs> I love the fact that he used the low blow this week in uh, as a little shot at the match from the weekend. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. I'm a little sad that I didn't know that that was going to be at Mohegan Sun. 
If oh. I had known that was going to be a Mohegan Sun, I would have probably gotten tickets for us to go see that. Ironic, too, for the audience who doesn't know, a little behind the curtain, your dad, the liquor salesman, gets tickets to these events. I could have gotten tickets easily. And for he that. got one of my Don't friends. tell me my dad got you tickets. I didn't go Friday. <laughs> there was a double show. I got tickets from your dad for Saturday. Oh, you son of a bitch. So I didn't get the Friday show where Jake was competing, though. Oh, Christ. So, and if I had my way, I would have gone to the Friday show probably. So, too. guys, if you're following this podcast and you're looking for tickets, reach out to me. My dad can get your tickets. Yeah, if you're in the Connecticut area. <laughs> if you're in the Connecticut area. <laughs> yeah. Don't reach out to me for like Portland, Oregon tickets or something yeah. like that. Australia, we hear you, baby. <laughs> exactly. But did you, did you watch the fight? I made it a point to watch that fight. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I thought he looked strong again. Oh, good. I think the reason why the guy doesn't come back from the low groin shot is because he's already bloodied, and quite frankly, he didn't want to come back from it. <laughs> that was a very bad low blow shot. Was, oh, come on. <laughs> this is your bias. <laughs> I love Hager. That guy, he fought. And look, and this is going to happen because Hager is a great... Now, we're talking about legitimacy here, obviously. Yeah. He's a great legitimate wrestler from college. Striking, he's working on... And, and I think, unfortunately, he's not quite there for hitting the target on the strike. Right. And he was lucky because there are situations where referees can disqualify you for that. They'll say, I, I do not believe... I don't think he did it intentional. I don't believe it was an intentional low blow at all. Right. I do believe that he felt like he was in complete control of it. Right. And that there was no intentional low blow there. Now, the, uh, also, too, to shout out, I do believe he was the heel in this moment, too. And afterwards, he did say that... <laughs> That he said something about his opponent was looking for a way out, <laughs> and I don't think I think he wanted to get. But I think him. that's part of Jake Hagar getting over his personality. I think now. so too. Yeah. Jake Hagar knows that what it's going to take not only in AEW to get his character over, but he's also been smart with how he talks when it comes to the actual legitimate yeah. fight game. Also, yeah, yeah. So, so I have respect for him in both. I do think that he's improving greatly mm-hmm. in his fighting. Yeah, and that if he continues on the pace that he is, he might be something somebody that a lot of people have to worry about. And he's he's in a good promotion with Bellator because Bellator can take their time with him. They'll give him fights that will work for a guy who's coming up. You know, if he took the punk approach, UFC would probably tell him in with like some of the top heavyweights in the world, and it would not be. Well, he also works out in a great gym. He's got a great team. He's keep going on the route that he's going on. And even though we don't talk a lot of MMA, Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a bright future from him. Yeah, although, I mean, honestly, uh, if he wants to just stick it out on AEW, too, like he's going to have a bright future there, too. So let's transition over to AEW. Sure. What did you think of the contract signing in AEW? I like the lead-up with Cody driving in the limo with uh, Tony. Very familiar feel to it, didn't you feel? Uh, It reminded me of Flair and Vader from 1993-94 with the Stargate. Which is also kind of like a a real sports thing I did that I think HBO would do sometimes with boxing and some other stuff like that. Exactly. I think it had a great feel to it. Even the contract signing itself, I liked the fact that they kept their hands off each other Mm -hmm. and that they kind of had that talk back and forth. Right. And then Jericho, you know, saying, hey, let's keep it classy. Let's not do this. Right. By the way, this is what's going on in the back. Right, right, And then right, they right. turned to Dustin being, I love the fact that they dented the car with Dustin's head. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That looked as legitimate as humanly possible. Yeah. And Dustin, once again, being the seasoned pro that he is, did a great job with the door on his hand. When you can sell an angle where people are going, oh, Christ. It's funny how like all this stuff just gets so nostalgic to me because of the Rhodes family. When uh, they slammed that arm in there, I thought of Dusty. Dusty and getting attacked in the parking mm-hmm. lot yep. by the horseman. Yeah. I- I'm-, I'm the same way. But I think that they're doing a great job with that. 
also seen LAX throughout the program. Yeah. Their attack on the Rock and Roll Express was outstanding. This company is really good at promoting tag wrestling. Oh, yeah. Oh, Actually, God. I would say in Wednesday Night War, if we were going to size this up, we got one company, AEW, who's really good with tag wrestling, yeah. and NXT, who's really good with the women's Women, wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, we're going to talk a lot about women's wrestling, and we're going to talk about NXT coming War up. games. Uh, <laughs> Let's I, just get right into it. Exactly. We could not do wrestling justice right now if we didn't talk about the fact that War Games is coming. And the amazing thing about this is, is I'm more fired up about the women's war game right. than I am the men's. The men's it's hasn't not, been announced yet officially, although well, Ciampa said he's going to war. So yeah, not, and, yeah, and I'm, and even though we know that's coming, right? I'm not saying I'm not excited about that match. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm so excited about this women's war games. I yeah, it's exciting have, because they have like such a great talent, and I'm wondering who if, I'm guessing who's going to be the Warriors. Other are going to be in that. Out of are matter. they? Because they didn't show up at the end. If you remember, the Kabuki Warriors were just gone. I thought they were getting back. They did back not help war. attack. Okay, maybe it was just Io then. It uh, was. It was Io Shirai with three horsewomen. The three horsewomen. So, so that's only four, though. They and who need, do we have? They need one more. On the other side, we have Team Kick. Oh, what's her Candace name? Candice LeRae. But remember, what's her name? Um, Ray Bianca Belair helped out on the... Um, oh, right. So that would have been the five. So that's five. So we needed... Well, what's about the So other we team? got Ripley. Team Kick. Team Kick, that's three. And Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae. So they need another one. They need a fifth one, yeah. So who can they get for a fifth one? Maybe Tony Storm would be a nice little... That'd be a good one, but is Tony... How how close is Tony Storm in the company right now? How much have know. you seen her since she gave... I haven't seen her since, since they took the belt, belt off her. Yeah. Actually, you know, too, real sidebar real quick, too. I want to make sure we address this again. Because in our last episode, we talked about Finn Bauer cutting a great promo on oh, backstage. Oh. Another great promo by this guy. Oh, my God. That line where he talked about, last time we saw me, I had to lay down to some guy because he's the hottest guy in the company because he put on a mask. And now I take my mask off and I'm the hottest guy in the company. Okay. Finn Bauer. Finn Bauer heel. Finn Balor as a heel? Yeah. Why was he ever a face? Uh, I don't know. Because uh, I know in Japan he was a heel also. And he was killing it. And he was killing it. And this is what he's doing now as a heel here. Yeah. Why even make this guy a face? No. He is absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, quite frankly, he's doing a better job right now. Why is he not running the OC? And it's nothing against OJ, uh, against AJ. Yeah. AJ's great. He's a great in-ring worker. You know, I'm a big AJ fan. It'd almost be a lot more fun to see Gals Anderson with Finn over at NXT. Or right even now. put all four of them together. Mm-hmm. And what about NXT is going to be in the Survivor Series, apparently? There's going to be a three-branded pay-per-view where all of them are supposedly fighting for supremacy. I hope they book them solid. We'll see what happens. Am I the only one who is hoping Team Kick actually beat the Kabuki Warriors this week? Oh, no. I was pulling for them. I, I love to, I love love the fact they spent the, how much of the match did they spend selling that leg oh yeah that yeah, is yeah. classic wrestling at its best and yeah. i absolutely loved it mm-hmm. dakota kai is fantastic in there tegan Knox when she starts hitting that freaking her moves absolutely incredible i love the her tributes to kane when she does the choke slam yeah lady kane yeah exactly <laughs> i love that moniker and nothing away against the kabuki warriors either no they're outstanding they're another one so much better as a heel right. than as a face. I love these guys. Yeah. They're doing a great job. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But I'm excited for the TakeOver event. I'm excited to see what NXT does. Big things from NXT. Unfortunately, I don't think... 
I think them and AEW both took hits in the ratings this week. I'm a little sorry to see that. I hope eventually we'll start seeing some improvement. I'm not a big worry about the ratings guy, personally. I just love my shows. But I do worry a little bit, like, I want both these shows to succeed. Uh, the reason why I worry about ratings when it comes to WWE hmm. is how Are you worried quick, they're gonna, like, yeah. It's how quick Vince McMahon is to jump in and try something new. Right, right. And then he'll try, if NXT drops off... He'll try to put his own spin on it. Right, right. And all of a sudden, we're going to see Vince's thumbprint. Yeah. I don't want Vince's thumbprint. NXT is on fire right now. Yeah, it's been a good show. AEW is a great show. Yeah. And the reason why AEW is a great show is because it's a wrestling show put on by wrestlers for wrestling fans. Mm -hmm. And NXT is the same way. Yeah. When you have Triple H doing it instead of Vince McMahon, you have... A wrestling show put on by a wrestler for wrestling fans. I heard uh, on another podcast they were uh, arguing about what, which show was better and they are having this debate. And at the end of it, you realize we're just arguing over which show, when both shows were a 9 out of 10, which one was better. And that's just it. Because <laughs> I can tell you, every week, I look forward to Wednesday far more than I look forward to Friday or Monday. Monday. Now, actually, I will say this. <laughs> as we're saying this right now, too, uh, SmackDown is tonight. And most of the roster is in Saudi Arabia. Uh, they're not getting out. Uh, when I heard the flight is going on later tonight as we record this. And actually, I gotta say, I'm somewhat interested in SmackDown tonight just because I know it's not planned. It might actually be a better show. When they went down the list of who was going to be there, I'm more interested in the guys that are going to be there right. than the guys that were in Saudi Arabia. Right, right. Because we might actually get real good wrestling matches. That's what I'm thinking will happen because... They don't have time to really write a show, so I think they're going to have to fill it in wrestling matches. That's incredible. Oh, my God. What a, what a How do you do that? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Speaking of that, I little little bottle I'm going to drop here. I'm actually starting this Sunday. I'm going to check out CrossFit for the first time mm. because in one of my steps towards uh, wanting to get back into the ring, I am going to work on the cardiovascular yeah. and the conditioning and work on taking that first steps towards really getting back in the ring. Uh, and like I said, I don't know if at 43 I can come back and be what I was 15 years ago, but I would have to change the game. But I want to do what it takes to actually get back in that ring. And even if it's just one match a month or a few matches a year, I want to actually get in there and get back to uh, enjoying what it is that I love doing the most. Cardio is... Uh it's a good step, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely need the cardio, but I also need the conditioning. I don't want to go in there looking like King Kong Bundy. Right, right, right. No enough. offense to people that are built like King Kong Bundy. Right, right, right. But right, that's right. not how I was built when I wrestled, and I don't want to be built that that's way now. That's not the look, right? Yeah. Going for. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of great independent wrestling, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. I mean, we've got shows that will be coming along. You've got... In November, you've got shows by NEW. So Northeast Wrestling has shows coming up in November. We also have a lot of good Beyond shows. We got Beyond Uncharted territory. territory this week. I did not get to see it this week. It was a Halloween episode. I guess there was a thousand thumbtack match, which I went to last year. I actually had thumbtacks in my shoes. Beyond is very interactive. <laughs> you go there. If you're a fan and you're looking for souvenirs. You're looking for you, thumbtacks in your shoes. You too can get thumbtacks Halloween in your shoes. Halloween Beyond Wrestling. I actually remember MJF was there last year and there was a guy dressed as La Parker. 
who kept basically heckling a lot of wrestlers. And he got near MJF. And MJF, who was down on the mat selling, legit pie-faced the kid. <laughs> it was legit. There's no way they knew each other. I watched him. And- By the way, one of the most entertaining things I saw this week was actually interview with MJF and um, Conrad Thompson. And Conrad Thompson is talking to him about StarCast. Yeah. And he's talking to him about the fact that MJF is actually the number one sold autograph at um, yeah. at StarCast this week. And he was bragging to him, saying, hey, you know, number one sold in MJF is to, it whispers into the gentleman's ear next to him. And the gentleman says, Conrad. You cannot make eye contact with MJF while you're talking to him. <laughs> well, it's funny is he legit does these autograph signings, I guess, and he doesn't look at people while he does that. He'll keep eating his food, and if he signs something, he'll throw it at him. Well, what Conrad Thompson ended up actually having to do was MJF told him, I want you to raise the price so much that nobody's willing to actually... <laughs> <laughs> purchase a ticket to actually get my autograph. So it's now up to $200 if you would like to get MJF's autograph at StarCast. Wow. Alright, so let's start to wrap this up, but we got to talk about something. AEW this week. Yeah. I never got to the point that I wanted to with AEW. The point that I want to talk about this week is the show stealer himself, Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. How great were the best friends in Orange Cassidy this week? They were really good. It was really good trying to listen to Jim Ross try to put over Rick and Morty, where he clearly had no idea. And by the way, I don't follow Rick and Morty that much either. But But Jim Ross came across as thinking that Rick and Morty were two guys, old guys playing shuffleboard at the retirement. (laughs) Like, oh, I got an Uncle Morty. Did you hear, uh, I don't know, Tony Schiavone was saying that, uh, because JR is obviously very passionate in these shows, and there's certain things that bother him, like if there's a lack of tags and certain things with the officiating. I guess there was an episode, it must have got edited out, uh, Tony was saying, but JR literally just said, God damn, and I guess he was just pissed about something, and he said, Tony said that him and Excalibur both lost it, and they just started laughing, which I think it's great that these guys get along, and that JR is passionate about it, and you know what, at the end of the day, like I've heard him on his podcast, he just wants it to be respect for the officials. And we've talked about that in this oh, podcast absolutely. before. Yeah. But but what did you think about Orange Casting? I love it. I love what Orange is doing. I love the tope that he does where he basically keeps his uh, hands in his pockets. The guy's super talented. I love the fact that him and MJF don't break character. No, never. No matter what, they do not break character. No. That's a, even when they dressed him up as, uh, I assume it's Morty is the um, mm. older looking one. Yeah. Even when they dressed him up as Morty. At some point, he gets knocked off the apron and he comes back and he's just himself. All right, fans. Today we've got Matt Kuhn. He's here straight from Total Engagement on MLW Radio. He's the man responsible for the musical productions for StarCast, All In, The Tony Schiavone Show, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, and he's a former host, Why It Ended. You can find him on mattkuhn.com and also totalengage.net. So without any further ado, here's Matt Kuhn. Matt, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, no problem. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Awesome, man. So, Matt, I have a two-part question. I, I know you from originally from the uh, intros with uh, Something to Wrestle 
and um, what happened when and how you were a part of that. Wondering how did you break into the wrestling slash podcast business? And did you know Conrad Thompson before this, or is that part of how this all worked? I'm just kind of curious. You know, it's a funny thing. I'm a music teacher. I own a music business, um, and that's what I do. I do. I'm a musician, and I'm a big wrestling fan, obviously. And I follow. I discovered podcasts. I followed Conrad on Twitter, and he said, "Hey, I need a song." And I haven't created music in a while, and I couldn't find the song for him. But I, I DM'd him and I said, "Hey, I can make you this song." He said, go for it. So I made him the song. It was an instrumental version of the Akeem song. I just did exactly like it was done. And then I started giving him more music and doing research for the show. And then him and Bruce called me one day and said, do you want to do the theme song? I said, sure. And apparently uh, people liked what I did. I started producing the shows, um, meaning, you know, they gave me the raw audio and I did everything to it. And I did not know Conrad before, but he's become one of my best friends. I talk to him pretty much every day. That's awesome, man. Now, what kind of issues do you have, like, or have you had editing the show? Because I produce this show, and I'm new to the editing sound game, so I find it to be a challenge sometimes. How do you find the whole editing process? Well, they, with Bruce's show and Tony's show, they present a particular challenge that they're three hours long. And so that does present an issue as far as computer power. But I'm a musician, and I'm someone who records music in my own house. So I'm kind of overqualified in a way to edit podcasts. Like, it is something I've been doing for years. I've been in front of a computer editing audio for 20 years. Wow. So editing one track, you know, which is as opposed to 20 tracks and then mixing them and all that, it's a little bit easier for me just because I have a lot of experience with it. I would say that it's something anybody can learn, but there is a learning curve to it. And I think that's why I took to it so quickly. It's just because I'm a musician, I've done it a lot. And I like wrestling and, you know, editing is easy for me and I also enjoy it. So I guess that's the answer. It's not that hard for me just because I've done it forever. I hear you. I think it's awesome what you've managed to do, Matt. The fact that you took two passions that you love, wrestling and music, and are able to tie them in and make them work so well together. We look at a rich history of wrestling right now, all the way back to the Freebirds and Texas Wrestling and stuff of that nature and how important music has been to wrestling you look at the road warrior pop when people would and all of a sudden you hear iron man and you're just absolutely going nuts and berserk for the crowd and now you've done that for conrad shows where we're all fans of obviously the podcast genre and we've been to the live shows for tony for uh, bruce and to this day when we hear the theme song for bruce's show it gets a pop out of us, and that's because of you. I appreciate that. And to be honest, I don't work on his shows anymore. I, I do it time to time. Like I did a, I did Arn today because he needed it done, and I did the 83 Weeks Best Of. But generally speaking, the person that does the show is Jojo Beanie, who is on Keeping It 100. He does an awesome job. And yeah, for me, putting music with wrestling, it goes hand in hand. I think one thing I like about NXT is I think the music is fantastic. And going back to the Freebirds, you know, for me as a kid, someone who's always connected with music, you know, when I think of Kerry Von Erich, you know, I think of Tom Sawyer. If I think of Kevin Von Erich, I think of Stranglehold. If I think of Chris oh, Adams yeah. and Gina Hernandez, I think of Bad to the Bone, all the way through, you know, the Mr. Perfect theme or, you know, even those Jimmy Hart themes in WCW, the Jim Johnson themes and the um, CHOS guys. 
who did a lot of the things WWE the last few years. I'm just honored to be part of that tradition. I've gotten to do a little bit of wrestling music. I did the uh, theme for Chelsea Green for All In, and I hope to do a bit more of that. Wow, that, that theme for All In was fantastic, too, for Chelsea Green. Dave, who is my co my, Dave is one of my best friends on the planet, similar to the relationship that you have with Conrad, where you guys have built into a heck of a friendship. Dave it has a deep love of all things music when it comes to wrestling and can probably tell you the theme song for just about any wrestler, especially um, WWE. Well, he's angry at me because I bring up the WCW soundtrack. Yeah, the Slam Jam album was uh, trash, but <laughs> Matt, <laughs> on another note, I was going to actually ask you, what are some of your musical influences? You know, I'm in my 40s, and I'm a guitar player. I, I play everything now. I teach everything. I've taught 17 different instruments, but I still think of myself as a rock guitar player. So Zeppelin, you know, Zeppelin is a big Guns N' Roses. I love Beatles and Paul Simon. And I try to stay current, too, because I teach kids. I teach teen teenagers. So I stay current on what kids are listening to. I... I was luckily enough to uh, be the musical director for a production of American Idiot here in Richmond. So I like Green Day a lot, I have a lot of respect for what they do. I try to take um, as many influences as I can into music, but you gotta have your own thing too. And I guess my own thing is kind of born in that, you know, Led Zeppelin meets, you know, Lenny Kravitz type groove rock thing. Awesome, man. I was kind of wondering, how do you feel about like a lot of the funds being cut out to some of the arts and stuff too? That's got to hit home for you, then. Say that again. I'm sorry. Say that again. Oh, like a lot of the funds that are being cut to like the arts and music programs right now. I imagine that's got to be oh, tough yeah. to see. Well, it's good for me because I do private lessons. Ah. So I have a school where. See, I don't work for the school. You know, I, I do. I, I used to do these um, pits where I would play guitar in a play or something, you know? And all the other people in the pits are these college-educated music professors. I'm self-educated. But they would all come to me and they would say, Matt, how do I do what you do? Because I have 150 students a week and I uh, wow. teach, um, you know, I have employees that were my students that are now my teachers. And I'm putting in, instead of 20-hour days, I'm putting in like five-hour days now. And it's a really cool thing to do things on your own terms. So. For me, I'm not affected by school budget cuts as much as I'm affected by the economy. If people have extra money to spend on lessons, I'm all good. The music business is kind of running itself now, which is why I have so much time for podcasting. Now, Matt, being a fan of music, with popular music now almost running into a very middle-of-the-road sound, electronic, almost poppy, there sounds like a absence of instruments. How do you feel about that as a musician? I think you have to embrace it. I think you have to embrace all the changes in music. And I think probably throughout history, from the very beginnings of music, people have said, uh, music's not what it was. Hmm. Because the reality is just, just like wrestling. Right. The greatest music we've ever heard in our life is the music we grew up listening to. And usually the greatest music we've ever heard in our life is the music our parents played when we were kids. And it, it, when you hear new stuff, it's like, what the hell's that? As a musician, um, who wants to be current and wants to be relevant, you have to embrace all these things and find things that then you like and realize that it's a part of the history of music to say, you know, the Elvis fans hated the Beatles and the, the Beatles fans hated Led Zeppelin, you know, and the Led Zeppelin fans hated Boston, you know, Boston fans hated, you know, Metallica, you know, and, and Metallica fans hate Panic of the Disco. And um, it's just part of the tradition of wrestling or of music. So 
I don't necessarily believe that music is on a downturn. I just think, much like AEW or much like wrestling, in a lot of ways, it's just not for us. You know, it's it's not for it's it's for the other people, the younger people. That makes sense. I agree one hundred percent. I grew up a big Beatles fan because my father was, and one of the things that he loved about the Beatles was the fact that the band that they started out was not the band that they finished at that they continue to evolve and now i'm going to swing it around to wrestling with that wrestling continues to evolve and people from my heyday or people from the generation before us who grew up on bruno san martino sometimes struggle with watching some of the modern wrestling because what they say is everything's high spots now or they're not telling a story or i can remember even when i was learning to wrestle in the 90s that it was oh you got to slow down you're not actually working to the crowd you're not telling enough of the story and now those same wrestlers from the 90s are doing it to this generation so it's once again that tie into music is just huge because it evolves the same way is there any wrestlers you see today that you feel fit into any generation sorry that was a long question (laughs) you could plug you could plug any wrestler from today in any generation well i mean the first one that comes to mind of course is chris jericho who's someone who's evolved over the years you know and it's a rare case i think you could put cody rhodes in any generation i think um he would probably have a different role depending on the generation he's in but you look at the kind of over baby face he is right now you know there's always a need for that if you think about wde guys you know i i it's you get big guys braun Strowman. braun Strowman could have fit in the 80s easily roman reigns probably could have fit in the 80s easily big guys kind of translate to that i think the younger or the smaller guys now like there would not be jobs for the undisputed era in 1988 you know there would not be jobs for them ray mysterio and the nitro cruiserweights really broke down the barriers for everybody and followed by the tna x division where they brought in a lot of smaller guys. So I'd say probably bigger guys now you could plug in the old in the olden days. Uh, but you know, like there probably would be no place for Joey Janela in the eighties or nineties, but I'm not I, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. And then you would end up um, with a guy like MJF who because of his size unfortunately in the 80s probably would have been shoved into a managerial spot or something of that nature. Well, there's always outliers. It, it, but even, it, you're right. I mean, maybe MJF's that good where he wouldn't have been. If you think of someone like Roddy Piper, who he's compared to a lot, uh, Roddy Piper was smaller than Hogan, but he wasn't small. Like, he was like 6'1", 6'2", he was 240 pounds. Hmm. He was a big freaking dude, you know? And MJF is not a big freaking dude. I've stood next to MJF. And, you know, MJF is like 5'10", 5'11". It's, it's a different world now. And, and you're right. I think, for me, I don't get so bogged down with the styles because when you have the styles, you have the steroid thing. And even back in the day, some of the best workers, like some of the ones I've mentioned, the world class, like Chris Evans or Gino Hernandez, or even, you know, Bobby Eaton or Dennis Condry, Arn Anderson, weren't necessarily the biggest guys. Although I think all of those guys are probably 5'11". Well, I think a lot of that also is the difference between the WWF in that time period and the NWA, to be honest with you, that the NWA focused a little bit more on the workers with medium size, whereas the WWE basically was, all right, who's the biggest guy that we can get to face Hogan? And so it made right, a little but, bit of a but, difference. Right, but who made money? Like, for me, yeah. I was more of a Crockett guy than I was a WWE guy, although I was very much a WWE guy. I just loved wrestling. And I lived in California where I could watch everything, you know? So, uh, but obviously Vince's formula worked. You know, the oh, yeah. guys, 
you know, and even if you had a smaller guy, Orndorff or like see Randy Savage, we're talking about six foot one, you know, still 235, 240 pounds of pure muscle. You know, all those guys are bigger than Ric Flair, you know, and Ric, Ric Flair, I love Ric Flair, but I guarantee if you compare Hulk Hogan's house with Ric Flair's house right now, you'd rather have Hulk Hogan's house. <laughs> oh yeah. So one of the things that we joke around about on the podcast is, is that when I was starting off in the 90s, I'm 6'3 and I'm 275, 280 pounds. And I was basically a medium-sized guy when I was starting off. Compared to now, if I go to an independent show, I'm like yourself, I'm in my 40s. And when I go to an independent show just to watch a show or to hang out, I'm larger than most of the talent that's working that show now. So it's definitely a um, different ball game than it was in that time period. Dude, you ain't kidding. Like, I do some commentary gigs with my buddy Johnny Fairplay. I don't know if you know Johnny. Yeah. Um, and he's a survivor and he did TNA stuff. But I did a commentary gig and backstage, you know, the locker room, the main event was Falapa, who's like a giant Samoan guy. And then another guy named Corey, who was a big guy, who was about the same size. These are big, giant men. I am so much bigger than both of those guys. <laughs> I am I am just literally, I'm taller, I'm fatter, I'm bigger. I'm, <laughs> I'm way bigger than, like, I'm, I'm 6'4", you know, and I yeah. weigh over 300 pounds. So it, it's, it's remarkable to me that, you know, when I do things like, and I've gotten to work with StarCast, and I've had a lot of interactions with a lot of great wrestlers, but driving and hanging out with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, you know, those guys are big as hell, you know, yeah. compared to some of the guys we have now, or even a guy like Booker T or a guy like Rikishi, these are giant men. And today, it's, it's the size thing is real, but I'm not sure how important it really is. Now, me, uh, me, you and Conrad, you, me, me, you and Conrad could show up at an independent show and be the super machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Conrad, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little taller than Conrad. I'm about as heavy as Conrad. And we're, we're giant men. And, you know, sometimes it's really remarkable, right, when you run into wrestlers, even ones you knew when you were a kid. And you go, oh, Sid Vicious isn't that tall. Or, you know, the one that got me was One Man Gang. I'm like, I'm taller than One Man Gang? What the heck? Wow. Well, even Hogan, even Hogan, when you, if you remember when we were kids, they tried to put him over as six foot six, six foot seven on those cards. And any of us that have ever seen him in person know that he's nowhere near that height. Yeah, and that's when you meet a guy like I got to talk to Kane backstage of the Hall of Fame. You know, Kane is about six five, six six. Like uh, Drew Galloway, uh, Drew uh, McIntyre is a gigantic human being. <laughs> that is one yeah. big dude. He's like six seven, legit. Like. It's just ridiculously big. And then you see a guy like Kane, who's like close to my height, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of informing. Now, uh, Matt, I was going to ask you, what's it been like working with a couple of uh, charismatic personalities like Vince Russo and uh, Robbie E when you were on podcast with them? Well, you know, we talked about how I was a music guy and I was a producing guy. And I went to Conrad's house, the infamous Conradison. Hmm. And I was just in the area. This is me and him. And he mentioned, he's like, man, you're, you're going to host a podcast. I'm like, what are you even talking about? I've never been on radio. I've never done anything like that. I've never done voice stuff or anything. Of course, a lot since then. And, you know, a few months later, I get a call from Terry Runnels. Hey, I'm looking for a podcast host. And Conrad, give me your number. I'm like, well, okay. I, I, I was like looking to get in. I'm like, all right, cool. And that I interviewed Robbie E on that show, and I had no desire to to interview Robbie E. You know, I had no interest in Robbie E. 
And he was great on the show, and he called me two weeks later. He's pitched this idea for why it ended. And I said, let's do it. And that was great. Robbie E. is an amazing personality, an amazing human being. We had to quit the show because he got signed by NXT, and he's been at NXT since then. And he is a special talent, a go-getter. And then things uh, beget that. On why it ended, I got to interview Vince Russo. And I thought, I'm going to take a different approach with Vince Russo than anybody else. I'm going to confront him on everything, but I'm going to be, like, super polite about it. And I'm going to be super, like, you're not a jerk, Vince Russo. You're not an asshole. Can I curse on your show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm like, you're not an asshole, Vince Russo. I'm just going to... But I'm going to confront you. I'm not going to be fearless about how I approach it. And like a week later, Vince Russo's like, I need a Conrad. I want you to be my Conrad. And so I'm like, all right. So working with Vince Russo is exactly like you probably think it is. Hmm. Um, Vince Russo is exactly the person who he says he is. He's the exact person he reveals himself to be. He's a good guy. He struggles. He, he has trouble with people crapping on him all the time. He brings on a lot of stuff himself. He's not the most self-aware guy in the world, and he's very defensive, and some might say justifiably so. Not hard to work with on a professional level at all. Like, it was easy to work with Vince. He was great. We got along really good. But some of the peripheries around him, his fan base and his kind of reluctance to kind of take care of that fan base made me know that the audience is small because people don't want to be part of a culture that they hate, you know, and... So it wasn't for me. And and also I got to work with Medusa. I did a podcast with Medusa for a few weeks. That also wasn't for me, luckily. I don't have to do this for a living, so I can pick and choose what I do. Still friends <laughs> with all these people. Uh, Dutch Mantel as well, oh. and Johnny and Robbie E. And I, I decided that I was better off working by myself. And it's worked out really well uh, with total engagement. And it's crazy because I'm just a fan, just like everybody else. But I have a lot of cool stories, and I have a viewpoint. I'm kind of fearless in a way. And I also have a great mentor, Conrad, who gives me great advice on how to be successful. I'm subscribed to Total Engagement, and I can tell you as a fan of it that your stories and the way you connect with the audience is outstanding. And it's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on was because, quite frankly, anything that we can learn from what you're doing is going to help us greatly in this podcast. Well, you know, I'll tell you that the number one thing is, you know, you want to be different. And then the the other thing that's just as important is you have to realize the podcast isn't for you. You know, the podcast is for other people. If you're not doing a podcast to be successful, then you're just doing it for fun. And I'm doing it for fun, but I, I want to be successful in what I do. So I keep in mind the people listening. And I keep in mind this is not for me. You know, like Conrad told me the Paul Orndorff show I did, you know, which is, he said, the greatest show I ever did. I edited all this video to, or this audio together, and I created the story of the Orndorff turn. He goes, okay, it's the greatest thing you ever did, but no one's going to listen to it. You know, you did that for you. You didn't do that for downloads. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So the advice I would give is, is just think about what the market needs. Throw your passion into making the podcast successful and how to be different. Why it ended was different. Total engagement is different. It's every day. It's 10 minutes shows. No one else was doing that. <laughs> now there's a few that are doing it. And just being different and also being credible with your audience. Like, I don't tell anybody I'm anything but a fan. When people say, oh, you've done this or you do that, I just go back to you, I'm a fan. And I think that connects with people as well. Thanks. How is it, you know, being a teacher and doing a podcast? Is that a difficult thing to balance with everything? or? It is. I'm not good at it. I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> I don't sleep a lot. 
I don't manage my, I'm a musician, so I'm a creative, like, so I don't manage my time particularly well. I don't make great decisions about my time management, but I also can work long hours. Like, I, I slept 20 minutes last night just because of things happened, you know, where I had to do some work. I cut a couple commercials for Conrad, and I had to do some stuff for my podcast. I know I'll catch up on sleep, but it is hard to balance. I'm not good at it. But I don't know anybody who's successful that doesn't deprive themselves of sleep. You know, I can totally relate to that. I have this business where I deliver bread. I get up at like 2 in the morning every day, and that's the time I leave my house and get back in the afternoon. But I've learned that you can go without sleep. <laughs> oh, man. When I was building my business, man, like, you know, I was a guy in a music, school, in a music uh, store in a room that was 6 by 6. And to take that into a place that at one time had two different uh, stores fronts, now I have one store front where I have nine lesson rooms, and to, that took a lot of work hours. It, it, that's what it took most of anything is work hours. And to do that, you don't sleep, and you have to dedicate yourself. I make my podcasting a priority. I make my work a priority. I make my son a priority. And other than that, everything else is kind of second place. About So you're a parent. I mean, do you kind of monitor some of the wrestling and stuff he watches, or is that not an issue? Well, luckily, he's 17 now. Oh, there you go. Um, I, I, and I'm also a, I guess you call it a halftime parent. We have split custody ever since he was 10. And it, it, this has been a journey we've done together. I doubt I'd be doing wrestling podcast if not for Matthew. Mm. Um, because when, you know, when you're a guy, and I'm a full-time dad. I've worked with kids for 25 years, so I know kids. But when you're with your kid all the time, and you're responsible for them. There's nobody else. You have to figure out what to do. And I'm like, you know what we're going to start doing? We're going to start going to WrestleManias. You know, fuck it. Yeah. I'll spend the money. I've always wanted to. And so we just started going to WrestleManias. We started going to these things. And Matthew loves wrestling. I don't mind him really watching anything if I'm watching it with him. At 17, he can pretty much watch what he wants. And he's the one who told me, hey, Dad, there's this thing called GCW. you got to check it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's the one who told me, hey... Or, there's this guy, Orange Cassidy, you have to know about. He told me that about that, like in December, about <laughs> Orange Cassidy. And next thing you know, you know, Matthew and I are friends with Nick Gage, and we're, you know, <laughs> the fucking weird world. And uh, yeah, Nick Gage is my favorite, by the way. He's like my favorite person. Oh, that's awesome. He's a really good guy. That's cool. I'll tell you a great Nick Gage story. You know, if you, have you ever seen Nick wrestle? You ever been to a show? Yeah, yeah. I actually went to a match up and beyond wrestling up here in the Northeast and a thumbtack match with him and Ricky Shane Page. I still had him in my shoes when I was leaving the show. So he does this thing when he comes out and we, I interviewed him, we had met and I wrote, I drove him around and we became close and I'd say we're friends. And he met Matthew. He knows who Matthew is. Matthew's 17. He's about 6'1", but he's about 145 pounds. And Nick Gage does a thing when he goes out to the crowd where he will bum rush the crowd. He will just go out there and throw chairs around and shit, right? <laughs> yeah. And so Matthew, he, Nick Gage is out. He, we're at the front row at the GCW thing in Chicago, the last one. And he looks and he sees me. He doesn't acknowledge me. He sees Matthew. And he gently pushes Matthew aside. And then he just bum rushes the crowd. It was the coolest thing I ever seen. Huh. I wouldn't notice it unless you knew it. But he was like, I do not want to kill this kid right now. That's he awesome. Literally just gently pushed him aside and rushed the crowd. Yeah. Nick, Nick Gage is my favorite person. He's great. That's awesome. Uh, Matt, so we're going to try and wrap this up. We appreciate all the time that you've given us today. Um, if you could do us a favor, um, if you have anything that you would like to plug, um, please go ahead and plug that now. And then after you're done with that, if there's any way you can actually um, do a little sound bite for us and for the working fans um, podcast, we'd really appreciate it. 
Absolutely, no problem at all. You can listen to uh, Total Engagement every single day on the MLW Radio Network or go to TotalEngage.net or any podcast platform. Though, Just look up Total Engagement, Matt Coon, K-O-O-N, Daily Dose of Wrestling, your wrestling fix every single day from one fan to the other fans. And also, November 8th and 9th, I'll be at StarCast, StarCast in Baltimore. If you're a wrestling fan of like early 90s WCW, it's going to be the place to go and you don't want to miss it. Or if you're an AEW fan, you don't want to miss either tons of live shows or you can order it on Fight TV as well. And uh, make sure to support StarCast because that's my buddy's show and it's all right, guys, welcome back for another week of the 531 where we take our top five list on a particular subject, debate it down to a top three list, and from that top three, short discussion gets us to a top one. This week, we've got the top five most disappointing WWE gimmick. And I'm going to start off my list. There's going to be a little explaining that's going to be needed for a couple of these, but number one, I got Mantar. Huh. For number two, I put Doink after Matt Bourne. Hmm. For number three, I got Giant Gonzalez. Number four, Ultimate Warrior. Number five, Baron Corbin. Now, I want to explain this list a little bit because Matt Bourne had probably the most sinister and dark doink and really, I think, made the character. I agree. After that, you had guys that filled in, but I don't think it kept that same nature. Giant Gonzalez obviously got hired for his height. Sure. There wasn't that much in the way of a match when you got him in there. I thought the original Giant Gonzalez was good, but when they started <coughs> filling him in with other... Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and the Ultimate Warrior. I only put him on this list because if you know a little bit about wrestling, he was up for the Vader gimmick, supposedly, in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when he ends up in WWE, of course as a kid I loved him. But as an adult, I find him almost like Chinese food. Right when you're there with it, it's interesting, it's filling, but then you walk away and it doesn't stay with you as much. I now, hated the Ultimate Warrior. You were more a NWA guy coming up though, so. Yeah. And being a little older, you might not have been drawn in necessarily like in I fairness, was me, at that in, age. In fairness, me and Dave, same age. Hmm. I he, love he, he loved the warrior. And he's a big warrior. Yeah. But that being said, I can definitely see where someone wouldn't like to wear. I would not put him in worst gimmicks of all time because there's so many bad ones. That's just my opinion, but go ahead. And I put Baron Corbin because yeah. I thought in NXT, for what he was, he was all right. But then he came up to the WWE, got the push, and he's had a couple different changes. It was a good thing he cut his hair. But he was in that GM role that did him really no favors. I really liked the long hair with the Hogan crown on top. I thought that was great. <laughs> Holding on to the thinning hair. Yeah, and I and I absolutely hate his look now as the king. It's got to be the worst king outfit I've ever seen. In I life. would almost take him back in those GM clothes that he had. Oh God! But Dave, who do you have for a top five most? Disappointing I think listen to your top five, Joe. That you were lucky enough to miss some of the truly bad gimmicks in WWE. Because <laughs> even though Adam hates the Warrior, I bet your Warrior didn't make his list either. He did not. Yeah, we're going to have some bad ones on here. So mm-hmm. uh, let's start off. Something we did agree on, Joe. Number one on my list, Mantar. I agree. What a piece of shit fucking gimmick that was. That did not do him any favors. Number two, Bastion Booger. Yes, we came out and we called the man a booger. 
And he tried to act like a booger. And that know. was the same guy that played Norman the Lunatic? Yes, it was. Mike Shaw. Yeah, and Norman the Lunatic was actually better than Bastion Booger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a guy that Which really got railroaded when he went to WWE because, mm-hmm. what, he was in NWA, he was in Smoky Mountain. Uh, Global Wrestling Federation, well, he was well, now, fucking Sing. Well, now, well I was going to say. And Stampede. Well, here's the funny thing, and I was that's where I was going to go with this. He was actually one of the most feared villains in Stampede Wrestling yeah. as Malcolm Singh. He was actually very scary, scared the shit out of people, and he made a lot of people bleed. Almost similar to um, the Sheep Herders when they became uh, Luke and Butch the Bushwhackers. Right. How they just turned him into a joke. I will say this, though. WCW, when they turned Norman Lewis into like a babyface, he had kind of became a little bit of a joke there. Yeah. And then... WWE, WWE was almost like, hold on, WCW, hold our beer. <laughs> you think you can turn a wrestler into a joke? Let's show you what the guy's going to do. Now, do we Fucking put, booger. do you want to put Friar Ferguson on there with Bastion oh, Booger? Oh, jeez, I or forgot about Or do you about... feel like Bastion Booger was worse than Friar I think Booger Ferguson. was worse than Ferguson, but that's right, a pretty booger bad one. Booger stays yeah. on there on his own. Just right. pure, pure disgusting. Who's your number three? Number three is the goon, Wild Bro Erwin, for years. You know, he was he was solid in a lot of regional I territories. Yeah, but baking him as a hockey player and calling him the goon. That was an unfortunate time where they almost had a gimmick and then they just needed a guy to fill it. I want to see if anybody else on your list follows that, but there are several guys that came in as solid personalities. Oh, oh don't worry. My list will get some of them. You know, in fact, actually, we're talking about this time period. I'm actually crossing out my number four and changing him. I originally had Man Mountain Rock, which was a crappy gimmick. We put but not the worst, no. Was he no. The, that was Max Payne in Max that. Max Payne, yes. Again, I give WCW the nod in that. I thought WCW had I, a better gimmick. I don't even have to look. I know where Dave... Can I take a guess at where you're going, Dave, without looking? Sure. T.L. Hopper. It is T.L. Hopper, the yeah. fucking plumber. Dirty yeah. white boy, Tony Dirty Anthony, white boy, Anthony right? yes, where we had to see the crack of his ass. Smoky Mountain point. Champ really had some good rivalries there. He did in Smoky Mountain. <laughs> he was pretty much basically borderline enhancement town in WWE. I know, he just wrestled with his pants height. And and well, not, just Smoky, not just Smoky Mountain, throughout the South, when he wrestled in Continental Wrestling, he wrestled in Memphis. Basically, uh, another guy who was feared throughout wrestling wherever he went as Tony Anthony. Wrapping up my list, uh, a lot of people will put this as the worst gimmick of all time, but we didn't see a lot of it, so it's just more like an honorable mention of throwing it as my number five. Gobbledygooker. Hmm. It was a shitty gimmick, it's, but to me, it just didn't only last at one time. So. It's interesting that you should go there, because my number one, the Gobbledygooker. Okay. Yeah. To me, you took <laughs> Hector Guerrero, who is um, from the Guerrero family, and one of the truly great wrestlers in that time period, and one of the original high flyers, and you put him in a giant bird outfit. Yeah. And that where he couldn't see out of the costume or couldn't move and tried to make him go to the ring and do ridiculous things. And I will say na- that. His name sounds like some next level racist shit. It too. does like, completely. I think they created a new term. From your list, I have the Giant Gonzalez, one of my least favorite. Now, it wouldn't have been so bad if they just had him come in and be somebody who couldn't wrestle. But they like put WCW him, did. yeah. But they put him in a, like basically muscles and fur. Muscles and fur. <laughs> it was like a kid's it's like a giant costume. caveman. Yes, yeah. it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And we're I, all familiar with our Argentine cavemen too. I like I like to think that Vince still apologizes to the Undertaker daily for what happened there. Speaking of Tony Anthony, the feuds that he had in Smoky Mountain Wrestling were with. Tracy Smothers, who when he came to the WWE, Freddie Freddie Joe, Joe Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. 
basically anybody who's Southern who's ever worked for Vince yeah. knows that Vince is embarrassed by the fact that he's from Virginia originally and does whatever he can to bury any Southern person, whether it's Jim Ross, whether it's Tracy Smothers, now, Dusty, isn't Rose. This a Dusty take, Rose. Isn't this a take on one of the Briscoes' names, I believe? Is it? I'm not sure. I know they had the... Uh, now that I said it, I wish I did, but I... I know they had the auto body shop there for years, Briscoe yeah. Brothers Auto Body, but... I feel, I feel like I've heard Jim Ross or somebody, fans tweeted us, let us know. But I believe this is a little bit of a rib on one of the Briscoe Brothers. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but literally it sounds like the most southern name he could come up with. Oh yeah, it's clearly in... It fits right in with how yeah. Vince seems to view the South. And now, those who know me know I'm a huge baseball fan. But I am uh-huh. not a fan of Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, that's a good one. They I remember t- that. When you take somebody, make them the Brooklyn Brawler, yeah. that's bad enough. When you take the Brawler and go, what can I do to screw this guy up even more? I know. I can paint his face like a baseball mm. and make him Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. You get two jobbers for the price of one. It's incredible. That's I will mention to Steve Lombardi, who actually was a doink at one time, too. He also so. was. So he managed to make this list on several occasions. Well, on different gimmicks. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> exactly. I agree with Dave. Bastion Booger. Just to me, it was just absolutely disgusting. And you mm. took somebody and I don't even know how, how did they think this was going to get over? Were people going to be afraid of the booger? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> now, Where before we? we move in, on to our top three, when you guys decided on disappointing gimmicks, how did you decide what would make your list? Is it more of the person was a good worker in one spot, but got a lame gimmick coming here, and it's just almost like an insult to their character to get that? Or did you just pick things that clearly just fell flat? A little bit that fell flat, and also just how atrocious the gimmick was is my personal taste. Like, some of these gimmicks, like, to me, are just so mind-numbing and stupid. It's just a question of, like, what insults you more. It's like almost going to a buffet where, like, man, I know all this food sucks here, but I'm hungry and I gotta eat something. What shit am I gonna eat tonight? Yeah. That's what some of these gimmicks are. Well, and some of these guys were horrible. Like, we talk about Giant Gonzalez, you know, somebody who can't A guy that clearly got in just because of his size. Mantar just had a fucking bull's hat on for some reason. But, like, he was talking about with the goon. When you look at the goon, Bill Irwin, you're talking about somebody who was over in the AWA with his brother as the long riders, his brother ended up passing away from a brain tumor, so he went into singles wrestling from there. So the WWE takes this guy who's now lost his brother, is wow. coming off of a hot run, and said, what can we do okay. to get this guy over? <laughs> okay, wait, I'm going to disagree with some of that a little bit. He was not on a hot run. <laughs> he had wrestled All right, so it was the... like four years in between. Uh, and his, his brother maybe died like ten years before that. <laughs> it was like five. All right, so Adam is going a little hardcore anti-WWE. I just want, I just want to make that clear. However, the gimmick did suck. It was a piece of shit gimmick. And Bill Irwin defense. could wrestle. And Bill could wrestle, but it wasn't like every company he was He did have a like good running global, though. He had a decent running global, and uh, WCW had treated him like top enhancement talents. Yes. yes. All right, guys, so we're making it down to our top three. Yeah, we got. And there's no clear lines, because Mantar makes a couple lists, Gobbledygooker makes a couple lists, Bastion Booger. I think we're going to do a couple head-to-heads, put a couple guys yeah, off to we'll decide good. who goes on. Who hasn't been dying for a gobbledygooker Giant Gonzalez match? <laughs> Let's. I'm gonna start off because we've talked so much about him between kind of Mantar and Bastion Booger. Both uh, 
horrible WWE one. Okay. They're both similar wrestlers. Sure. Actually, I'll say this. So if we're going to break this down, they're both equally bad gimmicks. And I'd rather take the guy who works well. But since that's not what this list is about, <laughs> this list is about guys it's, who don't work no, it's well. Who it's who doesn't. Right. It's whoever really you think. Because I'm going to pick Bastion Booger because it was proven in other federations that he can be an over character. Right. Even WWE wrestled better. This almost feels like a Dusty Rhodes level burn on him. Yeah. Come in, we'll put you in polka dots. So... Then I guess the question is, what's what's worse? What's more disappointing? The guy who has a bad gimmick and sucks, like Mantar? Or is it worse that we have a guy who can actually wrestle and we're giving him a piece of shit? By the way, how did we not mention Dusty Rhodes and the Polka Dots? Well, it's not as <laughs> sorry, bad sorry, as sorry, sorry, sorry. Dude, no, that's I know, a good I just, point. I just wanted to mention I it. would say yeah. he's the archetype for this yeah. because... And that's why I'm going to pick Bastion Burger because you know he's a better wrestler and they're insulting your intelligence by giving you this... Well, yes, but character. let's let's also not pretend. But like which character is worse, Mantar or um, Bastion? Yeah, let's Booger. not pretend like Booger was Dean Malenko here at this point either in his uh, career. No, but uh, okay, I'm gonna say Mantar is the worst because he's just a piece of shit wrestler overall. No offense, Mantar. Rest in peace. Yeah, I'll I don't get, know if he's dead. But is it gimmick versus gimmick or wrestler versus wrestler? It's kind of really it's up I, into interpretation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who do it's you? It's a little bit interpretation. I, I mean, I'm going with Mantar also. Okay. I'm going to move Mantar on because yeah. I think I feel more for Mike Shaw as a wrestler. Yeah. But then when you look at it, Mantar was a bad gimmick on somebody who we don't even necessarily yeah, plus, know his I, name. I'm going for Mantar because, quite frankly... If we wanted to give this award to somebody, we don't want to give it to Mike. <laughs> well, that and, well, that and I was pissed that I didn't think of him when I <laughs> made my list. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, so that's one. We're going in the top three. We got a few. We gotta go ahead. Yeah, uh, Gobbledygooker. Yeah. Versus Giant Gonzalez. Giant. Finally, the match we've all wanted. <laughs> Gonzalez is moving on because he was worse than the Gooker. Well, here's the well, thing. yeah. See, because I disagree. Guerrero was a okay. good wrestler, but he I think the Gooker was a worse gimmick by far. Okay, but we only but had a better wrestler. Man, if you go back to the Mantar argument, but are we doing worse gimmick or worse wrestler? But see, that's the thing, with at the end. Because Gonzalez wasn't a gimmick, it's who he was. Right, but. Like, he was a caveman from Argentina. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, with Mantar, we basically moved to the next round because he was a shitty wrestler on top of being a bad gimmick, right? But that's when you're. Okay, you're saying all gimmicks are gimmick. equal. Exactly. You're saying these gimmicks are so, like. Gabby Gooker is so much of a worse gimmick than Gonzalez. That's what I'm uh, saying. Since there was no in-ring match. Well, hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. With that outfit, he couldn't even wrestle. Hold on one second, though. I just want to argue this point. I want to see where you stand on that, and I'm good anyway. We only had to deal with the Gooker one time, though. Because of how bad the gimmick was. Didn't he pop up again in, like, a gimmick thing? Like Maybe that? a battle royal here. But, but my point is, is that the gimmick was so bad. Okay. That you only dealt with it once. Yeah, right, how enough. many gimmicks debuted and only made that one showing? Are okay. there any others of note? Uh, right, I'm sold. I'm sold. We'll move on to the next round. No, do you guys know of any other uh, Oh, God. What's his name? He tripped over the shit. Oh, well, Shockman. Shock so that's WCW. That's a different... But. I was going to say, when we start branching out into other promotions, it's going to be interesting what the, the disappointing gimmicks are. By sure. the way, by the way, there's two more gimmicks for you in the WWE. Earthquake and Typhoon. Rockus. <laughs> Oh, God. Was that a gimmick? Brockus didn't even make it on. He didn't. Yeah, but I mean, how many times did he make air? He was the inspiration. Yeah, but, yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, but it's gimmick. He wasn't actually a gimmick. It's who he was. It's who he was, baby. <laughs> All right, so now there's not too much on other lists. So Wait, who's Artemar? Do we have a... Oh, we can go we don't on. have a number three, so I'm going to put it up between Freddie Joe Floyd, mm. the goon, 
T.L. Hopper. Yeah, oh. ba- all basically the same person. Uh, they were all good wrestlers. <laughs> I'm going with Hopper. He had a fucking plunger. I agree, and they showed his ass crack. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't the goon have wrestling boots that were made to look Oh like my god, like ice her? skates. Yeah, yeah, that was a horrible gimmick. That's like the perfect recipe to break your ankle. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I think T.L. Hopper was another shot at Dusty Rhodes. I know people... Son of a plumber, yeah. I, I, I still, to this day, believe because that was after Dusty had left. and To me, T.L. was the worst out of that group, though. I agree. Okay, we'll give it to T.L. Hopper. Now, usually the top... I still <laughs> Usually the top three, the first elimination is easy because huh. it's going to be a debate between one and two. And there's that third guy that's just in there. So of Mantar, the Gobbledygooker, and T.L. Hopper, I think who's T- the obvious first out? To me, T.L. Hopper is the first one out. It's a bad gimmick, but when he got into the ring, he was still because once again, to me, with these three, mm-hmm. you're talking about um, how Hairline, close they are like, and yeah, everything's so bad. And Tony Anthony, uh, they just fucked with him there. The, the guy had a legacy of a career before that with the well, Dirty White Boys. Right, Gooker could probably wrestle out of this group, but unfortunately he couldn't wrestle because of the No, costume. he couldn't see and couldn't freaking move. Yeah. All right, so T.L. Hopper is the obvious out. So, now right. we got Mantar and the Gobbledygooker. See, now these are two of the worst gimmicks and I think hardest ones because people forget with the Mantar also, not only did he look ridiculous when he took the head off, mm-hmm. But that head on there was yeah. just the most asinine thing I've Didn't ever they, seen. Didn't uh, they want to have him wrestle that initially? They wanted to have him, but once again, he couldn't see. And he couldn't not make it through the could ropes. Barely, and couldn't make it through the ropes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes when you're planning something, you forget a little bit about the logistics of it. So when you see it in the ring, you're like, ooh, that did not work out as good as I thought. With the gobbledygooker, I love the story that Bruce um, tells. Bruce um, Pritchard. Pritchard tells a story about... Him going over to Hector, and when they were designing the suit, he said, "Can you can you can you do a flip in this? Can you do a moonsault in this?" And Hector, without having seen the suit, went, "Absolutely! <laughs> I can do a moonsault in anything." And it doesn't that tend to be the wrestler's way, where you tend to say, "I can do it. I agree," because you don't want to lose that possible <laughs> he got, spot. He got in the suit and he got down to the ring, and he's like, <laughs> "Nothing." <you can> <laughs> This is what I've come up with this. If you put Hector Guerrero in the Mantar gimmick, I'd rather have Hector Guerrero on my roster. If you put the guy who played Mantar, it's still going to suck dick no matter yeah. what. So at the end of the day, to Somebody me, could the make goblin, Mantar work. So right. Nobody could make the, the goblin, goblin gooker, gooker work. So I mean, the both the Which, gimmick- by the way, originally the rumor is, is that Flair was going to come out of the egg. Jeez. <laughs> but Matt dresses the goblin gooker. Not as the goblin gooker. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't that where he was driving around the arena, supposedly? Yeah, he was driving around the arena, and one of the big jokes about the gobbledygooker, and this is something I've heard, Bruce Pritchard will not admit this, but it's something that I've heard, is the reason why the gobbledygooker has, like, the big nose and the bird features is making fun of Ric Flair. Uh, because he didn't agree to come out of the egg and come out of the... That's fun. That they ended up actually doing the bird face for that reason. Now, both these gimmicks... The costumes present a very big vision issue and mobility issue, I would argue. But but like we said, if you take Mantar and you put that outfit on, um, once he pulls that head off with what's left of the outfit, yeah. he can make that work in the ring. But you so can't, right? the nobody can make the gobbledygooker work. So, so to me, it's the gobbledygooker be. is going to be 
our the top winner? worst, <laughs> top most disappointing gimmick. Yeah. I guess in this one, it would be the biggest loser. Yeah, definitely. And I want to put it out to our fans: Are there any disappointing gimmicks that we missed? Yeah. Because some fans might be younger than us and have a more recent gimmick that we wouldn't have thought of. Remember WWE gimmick. Yeah. WWE. At another time, we're going to attack other gimmicks. Right. I mean, hey, if you want to mention Saba Simba? That's one I forgot about. That. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up more oh, WWE man. racism. And, and then what about Farouk too? Well, now we had the helmet, and then also. Uh, oh, you know what we can do for it. Guys, tune in. Later on, we're going to do top uh, for the 531, top five, top racist. five most racist WWE gimmicks. And we might be able to make like three lists out of that. <laughs> but thank you again, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Later. That's the top five we've got to do. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at FansWorking. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 